I think we need to get acquainted with discomfort. Welcome back. And what makes me feel vulnerable? Today is about vulnerability. And why does it make me feel vulnerable? Miscommunication in offices around the world leads to delayed projects, frustrated colleagues, and missed sales. This can be avoided. There's fascinating research that gives insight into how to have creative dialogues and clear conversations in the office and at home. Full of practical tips, insightful research, and inspiring guests, this is Clarity in Conversations, a podcast by Frank Garten. Welcome back to Clarity in Conversations, episode 7. It's been two weeks since the last episode in which Scott Miller shared his wisdom on difficult conversations and the messes in our life that stand in the way of great leadership. We've all got a mess going on in our lives. You know, people know them. Our receptionist knows our messes. The CEO knows them. Your boss knows them. Heck, your coworkers, your team members. They, are, they don't just know your messes, they're talking about them. Management Mess to Leadership Success, that's Scott's latest book, in which he writes that the job of a leader is not to be the genius. Your job is not to be the genius, but rather the genius maker of others. On to today's episode, where I wanted to go into a different aspect this time of having great conversations. Clarity is only achieved in conversations when you can be open about what you think or on a deeper level, what's really going on for you during a conversation. And that involves sharing your truth, showing a willingness to open up and say to somebody, I just don't know, or something like, I didn't do that very smartly this morning, I messed up. Now, in order to do that, we should be okay to put ourselves in a position in which we feel vulnerable. We have to acknowledge and accept feelings of discomfort and maybe even shame. If there's one person in the world who has done a great amount of research about this subject, it's Brene Brown, known from the book Dare to Lead and many others. Those books were a real eye-opener for me and for many with me who love to think about leadership. Another person who got fascinated by the research of Brene Brown is Mika Coupe. Mika is a professional coach and facilitator who went to the US especially to be trained by Brene Brown as a facilitator of the Dare to Lead program. Mika now helps leaders and teams to have courageous conversations at work and to lead and communicate with courage and purposefully work on creating safe company cultures. I'm proud that Mika is my guest today. We recorded our interview a month ago already and you're going to listen to a beautiful conversation. My first question to Mika was an obvious one. What is vulnerability? Well, um, according to uh, Brene, uh, from which I learned the word vulnerability, um, according to her, it's uh, uh, three, uh, three things. It's uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So it's a feeling. And um, vulnerability is something we're not looking for but it happens to us and you could say most people don't really know how to deal with vulnerability because we like certainty yeah when does it come up in in, in what kind of situations can we su- suddenly notice that we're we're uncertain or vulnerable in that sense yeah there of course there's there's many situations it's when we don't know if projects are going well or we don't know what other people think about what we're doing or who we are uh, it's about trying out new things doing things that you've never done before it's all these situations that you're just not sure where you'll end up 
and uh, what will happen. So that's in basically thousands of situations yeah, basically at work every day in, in life. Yeah. 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 yeah, every day there are moments of uncertainty. If you wouldn't have these moments of uncertainty, well, I don't think it really exists. Some people try to avoid uncertainty, but the point is uh, uncertainty is part of life. And um, it's better to find out how to deal with these feelings of uncertainty. So how to deal with vulnerability and also seeing what's the, uh, what's the gain in dealing with uncertainty. Because we can't avoid it. I mean, it's part of our lives. It, if you work together with people, you will, you will have uncertainty. You don't know what other people think. You don't know how other people will react or act. So it's just something you better um, get to uh, a kind of yeah. a conversation with. Because you'll gain a lot of insight if you, you yeah. go into a conversation with uncertainty, with risk, with this exposure, and so with vulnerability, in essence. So that, that, that's a fascinating view. It, it, it's happening all the time. It's there. We, we feel uncertain. We feel it can be a little voice of doubt already in our right. head that says, did I see it right or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, it happens all day. Yeah. Yet we pretend in work that it's not there. Yeah. Is, isn't that true? Yeah, I think so. Most of the people don't like the feeling and I, they, they, they don't feel comfortable with the feeling. Most of the time it's not a comfortable feeling. Um, so we try to avoid it and we try to avoid also giving attention to it. Maybe we think it goes away. I don't know. Uh, uh, but especially we don't like other people to see it in us. Because we live, I think we live in, in a cultural and, and also in organizational cultures that we like certainty, we like to keep control. And um, we especially don't want other people to see our vulnerabilities. We don't mind other people showing that they feel vulnerable or uncertain or they need help. But for ourselves, we try not to, you know, we try to avoid that. And we have all kinds of stories in our head what would happen if we would show that, for example, we don't know certain things or we're unsure about how the process is going or we're unsure about our own um, actions and results. It's a cultural thing, I think, and it's also a human thing. Yeah. So it's quite normal. But the point is that avoiding those conversations is also avoiding um, getting help and uh, getting advice on how to do it right. And maybe, maybe you are not on the right path. And sharing that would maybe avoid you making big mistakes. Um, so I think it's very helpful for an organization, for a team, for a person, uh, for its own productivity and results to talk about those things that you're uncertain about. I think there's a big gain if you would talk about those things and not only uh, for the results of a company or a team but also for personal uh, uh, feelings of commitment and safety because if we can't share our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses and we are playing uh, playing under control in control all yeah, the time yeah. we are not really showing ourselves and we are actually hiding parts of ourselves and that is taking up a lot of energy. It's like we're playing kind of theater all the time yeah. and taking up, you know, wearing another jacket. 
to work yeah. just to avoid feelings yeah. of discomfort. And Isn't it even so that, that Brene is saying silence makes vulnerability grow? It, it makes this uncertain feeling only get bigger. Yeah, and especially, yeah, uh, sure, silent, not talking about things. Uh, it's like hiding and, and hiding then uh, the only story that is true is a story in your head because you cannot check your stories in the outer world. When you would check, then some people could say, yeah, you're right, this is a failure. Or they could say, I don't see this as a failure. I see this, this and this and that has, as a result. So, you know, and your stories in your head are not always the most positive stories that you can imagine. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you recognize that. that yeah. The stories in your head can be quite disastrous. They can kill. Yeah. 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 And, and if you really believe all the stories in your head... For some people, that will take up a lot of energy and that will um, have a result of holding you back, holding you back, not being free uh, to experiment, to show yourself, to take risks. And that's what need, what's needed to, yeah. to innovate, to work, to, to show up and to, you know, develop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you're saying there's two steps that we need to go through. First, we need to get comfortable ourselves with these feelings. Second, we need to be willing to share them also and, and overcome the fear of others seeing us vulnerable. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the, the words you say, we need to get comfortable with the feeling. I don't think we need to get comfortable. I think we need to get uh, acquainted with discomfort. And to um, just accept that discomfort, the uncomfortable feelings are part of human life. And that avoiding them will mean avoiding a lot in your life. You know, it's, 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 it's like doing new sports that are very scary. I started climbing one and a half year ago. I have a fear of height normally. Now I still do have a fear, a fear of height, but I'm climbing walls of 30 meters. Right. Um, if, you, if you avoid discomfort, you will never do something new in your life. No. So maybe I was falling in the trap already because I'm realizing myself, I'm trying to get, to get that feeling of discomfort go away by right. saying we, we need to get used to it. And if we only practice it enough, yeah. we'll, we'll be comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And that's not true. It's that's not true. Right. That is just uh, exchanging one thing for another thing. And that's not reality. I think the reality is discomfort and uncertainty and risk and vulnerability will always be there. It's just a matter how am I going to deal with myself in those situations? And then we come to another part. That's how am I going to deal with those feelings in order to be and act and behave uh, in a way that I'm proud of, that I want to behave and I want to be. And that for me is very important because I can accept myself avoiding those things, of course, and I'll probably have a less adventurous life, hmm. but I will also have less uh, connection with people and less um, truthful conversations about what really matters to me and, and, and to you, for example, because I'll be... I'll be not able to manage the discomfort of hearing things I don't want to hear or saying things I'm scared to share. It's not you anymore. That, that's almost what you say, right? You're, you're pretending. It's the safe me. 
It's the safe me. Yeah. It's the controlled me. But it's not the full me with all its awkwardness and um, maybe also the things that I'd rather not know about me, but they're there. So we often talk a lot about opening up in the workplace, about showing yourself and speaking up. But opening up about half of you is not going to do the trick. Staying in your comfort zone and only showing the sure, the positive and the shiny side of yourself is, is only half of you. Truly opening up is also showing the other half, the less shiny part, where you're less comfortable and more vulnerable. And here also is the importance of this subject to meaningful dialogues and clear conversations. The safe and shiny side of you is a censored entity. You only show what you think others want to see of you. If you let go of that need and you express yourself with all the strength and all the imperfections, we start to see and hear the real you. I think it, it doesn't have a long life if you're always talking uh, in a way um, realizing what other people want to hear. I mean, that's not being true to you. I mean, you can be very true to somebody else, but you're not true to yourself. And I think that you're, you're killing yourself. I mean, in a way, you're yeah. killing yourself, your motivation, your values, your, your truthfulness. Um, and then you're not living your life. You're, you're just being safe or imagine that you're being safe. You're keeping yourself safe because it's not really safety you know we always think that if we are perfect to the other person that makes us safe and loved and uh, you know and that's the basic need that's a basic need of you human being you know being safe being loved okay. the point is if you're not showing yourself uh, but you feel loved because what you're showing is appreciated then you still have this this maybe a voice in your head like but if i showed this or if i said that or if i told the truth about that they will not like me anymore and that's a problem because you'll always have the fear of discovery so you limit yourself and 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 yeah you're, you're not giving your honest opinion about something you're yes. pretending. Yes. And I, I, I think yeah. that's a, a big deal in organizations. Yeah. Many people are not saying things, are, are keeping their mouths shut out of fear of what other people would think if they say those things. And um, so fear is holding us back in being truthful. And we also don't really know how to be truthful in a way that is building relationships instead of... Uh, giving cracks in the relationships you understand we, we don't know how because we have also uh, most of the times learned that if we say things we have to be certain and we have to be convincing we have to influence other people and um, if we would say things in an uncertain way or in an investigating way um, we might not con be convincing. But I think there is a seed for another way of talking to each other is from curiosity and exploration and um, positive intent. And we can go into dialogues like what's happening and this is what I see or this is what I'm telling myself and how is that with you? And we're going to a dialogue out of curiosity. It's like an adventure. 
but there there we get to a, a topic i usually love to to bring up which is that it requires really a different mindset the the mindset of curiosity yeah. is a totally different one than the mindset of um let's say the assumption a good leader needs to be certain about what he says right right yeah. right yeah yeah this image of of leaders having to know what's the next step and they have to have all the answers it's 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 really a burden <laughs> and the burden is is on them but it's also on the team uh, that they lead because um if they if if, if the leader needs needs to know everything where leaves where does that leave the team and if there's curiosity about what uh, the contributions and the thoughts and the opinions and the and the dreams of those people are then you come to a whole new uh, era maybe even i yeah. mean there's a lot more of information and and value in the room uh, and you can only see that from a curiosity uh, point of view so even a performance dialogue, you say to somebody, well, you really have great ideas, but you don't bring it across in a very certain way. You're almost killing a lot of great ideas, right? Right, because I think it's a quality to not bring it in a certain voice. Yeah. I mean, you can be very convincing if you have an um, inquisitive voice. But we don't appreciate it because we have the, we have these funny ideas about what's convincing and what's of value, and we tend to value those who speak the loudest the most, and ignoring the contributions of the more silent people, for example. This is also like what are great leaders? Are they all like? extroverts or are there many great introvert leaders of course the answer is yes why because they have a total different totally different approach to conversations to well you understand what i mean absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. let's talk about courage the courage that's needed to have a good conversation and dialogue when we say that what what do we mean with courage what, what is courage really courage is is showing up being you, actually taking the risk when I show myself uh, and I, I'm true to, to who I am and what I believe in without knowing what will be the result. So that's courage. And courage is uh, actually everyday courage. Courage is not the, the big courage, courageous things like um, um, bungee jumping or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. the big things yeah. that, that yeah. in heroes and films, you know? Yeah. Um, but courage is saying no to something while you know that uh, uh, the people that receive that no won't like that. I mean, yeah. that's courage. Yeah. But the courage is also taking time uh, to help somebody while you know you'll be late at an appointment. That's also courage. Hmm. You know, uh, courage are small things, everyday things. But the, the, the thing is that uh, it are small steps that helps you be very true to what you value in your life and in your work. And uh, according to Brene, courage is just four skill sets. And it's not very simple because courage uh, can be taught that, you know, it can be taught. The, re the, the, the research 
she did a lot of research. So the research said, okay, we, we can build courageous cultures. We can build more courage in ourselves. In our four skill sets, they can be uh, uh, measured. They can be taught. Um, so that's a good thing, actually. So we, we want more courageous uh, conversations. Yeah, we, can, we, we take the steps. And the courageous conversations start with, what do I do when I become uncomfortable? So there comes in the first skill set, and that's the, the, the dealing with vulnerability. And what makes me feel vulnerable? And why does it make me feel vulnerable? So what's the story I'm making up when I'm when I'm doing this thing that I'm a bit scared of, of that I, that it uh, uh, involves risks? And you're you're basically going to do some research. Is when does it feel like an arena for me? And why would I want to be in that arena? So you're saying uh, vulnerability, the, the, that's step one to yeah. courage. The step yeah. one is, is, is knowing when you get vulnerable, it's understanding that, it's, it's understanding yourself in that respect. Yeah. What are the other components? The second is knowing uh, uh, your values and, and of course the company values. And not only knowing the, the values, so what do we stand for? What do we want to be known for? It's also how do you see that we we have those values? So how do we see in the behavior, in the actions uh, of what we do and we don't do in the organization? So it's vulnerability. Then it's then it's knowing from which values you operate or you want to operate. Yes, yes. And then the third is uh, uh, um, trust, building trust. Uh, and trust is a very big thing. Uh, but trust is crucial um, for courageous cultures, for courageous organizations and leadership. Um, and leaders, um, uh, courageous leaders work with intent on building trust in their relationships. So vulnerability, values, trust. And then learning to rise. And the learning to rise is the fourth value. And it actually means that you know how to deal um, um, with failure, with disappointment. Um, when things go wrong, we most of the time we want to fix it very quickly. And we just want to get it over with as soon as possible. Start anew, of, uh, you know, continue. And we don't want to... Uh, reflect too long on those problematic situations then then i can imagine at this point people are also wondering i understand that that's great and maybe even a light bulb goes off that says indeed i need to i i need to learn to be more open more more vulnerable maybe um, but if you bring that back to organizations suppose you're a manager of a team of people mm -hmm. what can you really do to stimulate an, an environment, a context in which people would feel okay with doing that. Yeah, the, 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 the first thing that comes in my mind, of course, is that the leaders uh, themselves, they have to show what they want other peoples to do. Hmm. And I hear you say, they, we need to be more vulnerable. And I'd say, we don't need to be more vulnerable uh, because that's, I, I think that's not the mostly people say yeah I, I I'm, I'm really vulnerable I, I really try to be vulnerable mm -hmm. we're not trying to be vulnerable we're trying to be courageous and courageous 
right. involves vulnerability in a sense that we need to deal with our own uncertainties, risk and exposure, emotions. So we need to learn what triggers our emotions and defense mechanisms and how we show up. And if we want our people to be more open, to be more, more courageous, then we need to do it first. How can you ask, you know, it's just like children. Children copy your behavior. They don't do what you tell them. And in, with leaders, why would it be different? Yeah, yeah. so they, they need to show the, 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 that horrible phrase, walk the talk, but yeah. it, it, but it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and so, that will be very inspiring. And right. it, it, that's the whole point. It's, it's not some magic, but it will be very inspiring for, for people to see their leader trying their best to, to learn, to learn these qualities, these skills, even if it's hard and even if it requires a lot of self, uh, yeah, hard work. You know, the willingness to learn and the willingness to not be right and to not know the answer can be very inspiring because it means that if the leader, the, the, the one that's leading us says, I don't know, help me out here. It means we can do the same and we don't need to keep up appearances. Keeping right. up appearances is killing. And it's killing the organization. It's not killing for, for per personal, you know, uh, psychological. It is, but it's also killing the culture and it's yeah. killing our progress. Yeah. So it's learnable, you say. It's it's learnable to be more courageous. Yes. And in, in your trainings, you, you give the training Dare to Lead, huh? Brene mm -hmm. Brown's uh, concept um, yeah. is, is, is what you've studied, what you've learned from her even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in such trainings, how do you address that? How do you, of, of course, I, I'm not asking you to, to explain the training of a day, no. but what are, what are typical moments in the training where people say, wow, that, yeah, that's really what I need to do more of? Yeah, there, for everyone, there's a difference. A moment that you know we're so different and mm. we have so different histories you know and, and experiences in our lives that I don't know when there will be an insight for somebody or you know when where the learning will be but I know that um, for example really looking looking at the stories you're telling yourself about what's going on for many people, that's a major thing because they think they know, but they don't really know. And they have this sense of discomfort, but they don't really research that discomfort. Like, what's, what am I really, really trying to avoid here? And what's the story I'm telling myself? What could go wrong? And if you get to know that and you go a step further, first you need to know that, but then you also need to know how is, for example, avoiding this feeling of uncertainty, how is it making me act? And is this the way that is doing uh, the contribution to the organization, to my life, to my relationship? So it's like looking in the mirror and sometimes it's really not very nice what we're seeing. But that's, that's a truth. I'm not saying it's the truth, but it may be a truth that needs to be seen in order to know what's the next step for you. So um, for some people, that's a big insight. For other people, it's like knowing their values and their, their most people 
don't really know their values or they have too many and they cannot act on them because they're too many. You cannot take every mm. decision based on 10 values. So we ask them to choose two. And um, you can measure your actions on two values. You can. It becomes easier. And then you can also look at yourself like, where am I really in line with who I want to be and how I want to be in life? And when I'm really not in line with those, with, with these values. And what the, 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 the research is also like, not only what are mine, but also are they really mine or am I taught that this is important in life? So what values do you uh, carry with you, but are not really yours, but from your grandparents or your parents or your uh, direct uh, friends or, you know, cultural, uh, there are so many values in life that you get, um, and you could think they're yours, but they're not always yours. Mm. And that's important because there's a difference also in should or want to. I want to be this person or I should be this person yeah. or I should behave this way because I'm told this way. And that's also an eye opener from anything that I realize, oh my God, this is what my mother always told me. And I think, I think it's really important, but if I'm really honest, I think Another value is much more important for me. That really makes me happy. The other one feels restricted. I feel restricted. And the other one, I feel free and, 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 and enlightened. Okay, then we have this amazing shift. Like, this is the truth for me. So, and then how do you act if, that, if that's the truth you want to live? What I'm realizing from your answer is that in your trainings, you're not teaching people how to be more courageous you're more helping them investigate it sounds like yeah that's beautiful it's very personal what you it's very personal yeah yeah, yeah. and that's 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 a funny thing because training sounds like yeah you get a whole lot of ideas and and information and then maybe you'll change something and the reality is if you don't connect that deeply to who you are and what it means to you you will not change a thing why would you there's one question I ask every guest on the on the podcast, which is, we're, we're talking in this podcast about clarity in conversations. Yeah. And if you reflect on the discussion we had here and, and, and the material you're teaching yourself, what is one insight that for you is really key in, in having better conversations with others? Yeah, basically, and, and I, I'm, I'm stealing that freely from David White, poet David White. There's a conversation with yourself. When we do the conversation with other people, if we forget the conversation with ourselves, we're missing a point somehow. And what I mean is that if, I do, if I'm not aware of all the conversations in my head and all the uh, triggers, all the processes emotions that are inside me and longing and, and dreams. If I don't have this conversation about that in me, how am I going to be open, curious to listen to the other person? Because I think the, the, the courageous conversation has some kind of ground in silence and in listening in, in, in not not actually and not contributing contributing in the conversation as such. I mean, leaving this open space in which everything can happen 
any direction can be taken. Yeah. That's scary, I know, especially in organizations. But if you have this open space in which everything can be said and any direction can be taken, then we don't know what's going to happen. But at least there can there, there's room for some new truth or insight or, I don't know, without already coloring and directing the conversation. And then you come to a whole new level. Bringing conversations to a whole new level. That was Mika Coupé about vulnerability and the place this should have in a healthy business environment. I realized after the interview how important language is when talking about business. When we speak about vulnerability, many people will not associate this word easily with the business context. We especially don't want other people to see our vulnerabilities. But when we speak about courage, the association is much easier. Therefore, Mika argues they come together in good conversations. That's a good thing, actually. Like every week, Els de Meijer reflects on the interview. Els is researcher, communication and innovation at Fontes University of Applied Science in Eindhoven. And I also raised this topic with her. Some words do have a place in business and some words mostly not, like vulnerability or uncertainty. I asked Els if that's also her experience. Um, that's a very good question because it's exactly the point where I wasn't sure if it was really my experience as well. So um, Miki says that um, she says, right, it's, it's uncertainty or expressing uncertainty in business is mostly not appreciated. And I do recognize it on the one hand, but on the other hand, my experience is slightly different as well. So let me start with what I've noticed as well. Um, in business, it's of course, because you um, sometimes you're, you're hired for your knowledge, right? And especially in this knowledge era where uh, people... Um, cannot do the work on their own in, anymore. They have to hire some academic or a research institute or someone external to provide that knowledge. So if you're saying then, right, I'm not really sure if I have a, if I have the right idea or if I know it for sure, then your whole kind of right to exist um, is swept from underneath your feet because they hired you exactly for that. So of course, yeah, I agree there. Um, the I think um, it leads to two concepts, which is competence trust and goodwill trust. A competence trust is the the expectation that you think someone is able, uh, is competent to perform in a certain way to do something. And if if someone is uncertain, then you that competence trust goes down. So that's the first one you refer to also that, that you said, I almost lose my worth. Yeah. If I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, d right. yeah, definitely. And 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 what you want to convey is that people have trust in you, in your competence. Right. Um, and and we say um, so. The other thing is, let me first say about the other thing is the other thing is goodwill trust, and goodwill trust is uh, slightly different in that people expect you to perform to your best abilities, but have the intention to work with you or to show your best, uh, to be intrinsically motivated, etc. Right. Now, goodwill trust and competence trust are sometimes confused because if we say, for example, um, I can't do that, or I'm not sure if this is possible, then and, and that's, al that's already a bit more on competence, then you say, well, I'm not sure if it's able or if I'm able, but can, as a modal verb, has it, has it in it to also say, I'm not sure if I want to do it. 
So if I say I I can't do that, and it, you see the intonation yeah. thing I'm doing, I yeah. can't do that. Yeah. Then it's like I actually don't want to do that. Now the the problem is, I think it's not about uncertainty. It's not about your knowledge per se, but it, it's even worse when it's about your goodwill, because all right, you don't know something. Yeah. That's okay. I don't maybe don't like that, but I'm I. Definitely will not like it if you're not in it with the same intentions and the same perseverance and motivation as I am. Because if we go to difficulties together to find a solution for some technical problem or to bring a new product onto the market, and you may give up halfway through uh, the journey, and I doubt your goodwill trust here, or my goodwill trust is down then in that, because of that, then we really have a problem. So I think that really explains, and I agree with Mike on that uh, respect. That's why we really don't like uncertainty. So it's a bit of an explanation why indeed we try to avoid that. Yeah. My other experience, though, is that I have noticed that in meetings, and especially when it concerns high technology, things that were not technological uncertainty, actually, that people have found a way to talk around that. To incorporate their uncertainty in their conversations. Like how? So um, uh, people do it by hedging their comfort or hedging their message or kind of putting it between brackets to say so, which means, for example, that I would say, now I'm um, I'm thinking out loud, right? And because I say I'm thinking out loud, people know, okay, first of all, goodwill trust, fine, because yeah. someone's actually prepared to put extra effort in in, in here. Yeah. May not have prepared it, but as well, it is prepared to kind of put extra uh, effort in, in in trying to come up with a solution. And secondly, what you say with that is don't shoot me if it's a bad idea because I just came up with it. You know, I'm thinking out loud. I yeah. haven't prepared this. Other things that people do or other hedges are, for example, um, please correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because then um, you don't take responsibility, for example, but you also say, um, you give the other one, you, you create the idea, okay, I can say stuff here without you, you're going to kill me for saying the wrong stuff. I give you the opportunity to correct me as well. And that opens up a whole dynamic of where we can say, all right, you invited me to say that, I, please correct me if I'm wrong. And, and someone adds on to that. So um, I feel that some contexts are so, maybe because of technological reasons, so uncertain anyway, that people have found a way to talk around that and create this open atmosphere in which uncertainty is accepted and is not my responsibility, but is a joint responsibility to solve that. And that was Els de Meijer, researcher at Fontes University of Applied Science. Time for tips. Three tips to bring more clarity into your conversations. Tip one. As a leader, it can be tricky to open up completely and put yourself in a vulnerable position. But you can make a small start with it. Instead of voicing your opinion with confidence and 100% certainty all the time, try saying things like, I'm not sure yet, I have to think more about this. Or, I just don't know, I don't have a final opinion on this yet. You'll soon notice the effect this has on the relationships with others around you. Or the same tip in Mika's words. If the leader, the, the, the one that's leading us, says, I don't know, help me out here. It means we can do the same and we don't need to keep up appearances. Keeping up appearances is killing. Tip two. Trying to be more vulnerable is hard. Rather look at it as trying to be more courageous. 
and then accept that there is a consequence to courage in the workplace. It could lead to finding yourself in a vulnerable position. Is that the worst that can happen to you? Why? Tip three. Don't avoid discomfort. Otherwise, you'll never grow in life. This holds for business as well. If we always stay in our comfort zones, difficult conversations are not held and your unpolished opinion doesn't get heard. Start to recognize each moment you avoid to speak up. This is raising your awareness. And once you start noticing when you hold back, ask yourself, is there a legitimate reason to withhold? Or is it just me trying to please myself by staying in my comfort zone? We come to the end of the episode, which is a great point to ask you to respond. I'm interested to hear your feedback and comments on the podcast. And I'm especially interested to hear the place vulnerability has in your personal work. I would really appreciate some positive and negative experiences from you about showing vulnerability in the workplace. So send your feedback, your comments to frank at clarityinconversations.nl. That is frank at clarityinconversations.nl. Now time to look forward to the next episode of Clarity in Conversations, when I will speak with Celeste Hadley. She is a very famous journalist in the US who hosted various radio shows and won many journalism awards. In Europe, many people know her as the writer of the book, We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations That Matter. Celeste's new book, Do Nothing, will come out in three weeks, and that's the reason for speaking with her right now. Celeste studied good conversations in depth and found that as a journalist, she first of all needs to be very interested in the people she speaks to. Um, obviously, and my literally my job is to find a way to make it interesting to me, right? To become interested. She has to become interested, even if initially she is not. Yeah, and even more so, just to take it one step further, they are interesting. Everyone has interesting things to say. I mean, that's the secret. That's what I learned. And that's Clarity in Conversations for this week. Thanks to Mika Coupe for a great interview and to Els de Meyer for her reflections. Thanks for listening to Clarity in Conversations, a podcast by Frank Garten. Clarity in Conversations is a podcast by me, Frank Garten. To further professionalize the podcast, I'm looking for a company active in the consultancy business to sponsor the podcast when we start with season two in June 2020. If you have suggestions for this, or you are the sponsor that wants to attach your name to Clarity in Conversations, I'd like to speak to you. Leave me a note then at frank at clarityinconversations.nl or find my contact details on frankgarten.com.